Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And Ham. Howdy ho. And Hamish. And so both the Hamishes were in action Ooh. together at the Crown Bar, uh, Crown Hotel rather, on Friday night and at the game. So good to be back on the podcast together. And thanks, Birdie and Forty, for doing such a tremendous job last week. Uh, Ham, did you want to plug your band at the top? Oh, at the top while everyone's still listening. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I just love the name of it. So, uh, uh, Filipino Noir. Ooh. How good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we, we did have a big uh, uh, weekend of action and, and some great results, but let's start off with the NRLW. So the impossible is possible. Eels pulling off the upset win against the Broncos, 28-16. to 16. Uh, Tiana Penitani, Ellie Johnston, Zali Fay, Samama Taufa and Kennedy Cherrington all getting across the stripe. Three from five conversions, one from one um, penalty goals. Uh it was six points they needed, wasn't it? Six points differential, that's right. Uh, the, the two requirements were that and a Roosters victory, and they would book the most improbable of all finals berths you'll ever see uh, in the NRLW. And that they have done, um, taking on, of course, the Roosters this week. But, um, you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. We saw the Roosters from last year uh, were in pretty ordinary form throughout the competition and then came on fire uh, at the back end. Uh, but we know we've got a tough task ahead of us. But looking at this game, um, unfortunately, I was on the road on Sunday, um, going up to visit Nan and coming back. Um, so for those who tuned in, do you want to give us a wrap up? Uh, this was the very best and worst of the Parramatta Reels. And obviously by, by a significant margin, more the best. But there were some stone cold drops and uh, Christian Pio had a horrible attempt to tackle at one point. I, f- I think she felt she was doing two-handed touch at training, uh, and she literally could have made the tackle and just let the person run par- uh, run by her. But that was in the wake of uh, the Tiana Penatani injury, so there was a bit of you know issues down that uh, left edge defensively. But when they were good, my goodness, this is the the sort of like the fruition of those three or four really tough losses that we had, where we've been in it at points and you know showing flashes, and then they put it all together. Uh, you know, for you know, fifty or sixty minutes in this game, they were just so far and away the better team. They were smashing the uh, the Roosters, the Broncos up the middle. There was some genuine flash down the sides. I think Ashley Quinlan had her best game by some margin. This one, she was throwing gorgeous cutout passes down the left edge. There was one try to Zawi Faye, which was almost indefensible uh, in the NRLW. So that was really encouraging to see. Uh, but you know, when I previewed this game on TCT. I looked at the core players here and said that if they wanted to make this final, that they needed the likes of, uh, in particular in the forwards, uh, Samama Taufer and Kennedy Charrington to step up. And when when this game initially finished, Samama Taufer was billed, I think, 260 metres off you know, 24 carries. Kennedy Charrington right alongside her, I think she was credited with 260 metres. Uh, 260 metres from 25 carries and five tackle breaks for Kennedy. Uh, I've just looked at the stats again. Samama Taufa has been bumped up to 307 metres off 28 carries, line break line break assist, six tackle breaks, and then going across the defensive side, 26 tackles, uh, one in, one missed, four ineffective, alongside an intercept two that she scooped up at one point. And Kennedy Charrington for her efforts, uh, 28 tackles, three missed, one ineffective. And those two, you know, they just put the team on their back in this game. It was fantastic. Yeah, when you saw those two, they just... Well, Kennedy's always ball of energy and Taufa's always, you know, just absolute workhorse. But this game, they just stepped it up another level somehow. And it's as you said, it's the, it's the best I've seen them play. Um, Quinlan, passing, she, select passes she was throwing. Um, when you look on the first, when uh, Penitani's first try, it could have also, it was a nice shape, actually. It could have also gone out the back to Penitani. I think with her speed, she would have beaten her opposite one-on-one. So it was very good. You don't usually see too many offloads um, like Christian Pio through. No, the, that, that was a very good offload. A good take into traffic, and then the offload was very, very high quality. Yeah, I thought uh, Hanisi off the bench brought energy and power. Um, Brooke Anderson starting at hooker. Bit of a bit of a master, master stroke yeah, there. Yeah, that, that was a good call by Dean Withers. Yeah, she uh, absolutely, absolutely rolled the Broncos forward yeah. um, in the lead-up to the final try. And finally, I think the uh, the two young wingers, Zali Faye and Cassie to- Tohihiku, you know, coming in, 19, 20 years old, I think. Oh, well, here you go. Uh, Tohihiku's 18 at the moment, and Zali Faye is only, well, she's 21. Yes. So a bit older very, there, but very still very, still. very young. But it, that, Debut NRLW seasons. You know, with there's four more clubs coming in um, 
in the next season. And I know Zali Faye is from the from the Shire, but hopefully we can hold on to him because I think, you know, as much as you can say you want to build a team around them, I think having strong wingers like those two, especially with how young they are, if you can hold on to them and then um, put the blue and gold blood into their veins, they might stay around for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing, the only problem I have with this team, and she's very, very good, and she has some very quality touches, is Gail Broughton. I just still think she positions herself a little bit weirdly. Just she... She doesn't position herself at first receive. She positions herself behind the ruck. It's it's a weird spot to to do, and I just think maybe maybe while she's learning the game, maybe put her out in centres. Maybe just just so she's got a spot that she stands. She's going to be there. We know she's going to be there. Maybe it's something we could do. I don't the the speed. She's so quick, so powerful. Like I just wanted to get more touches. <laughs> that's that's really what yeah. it is at the end of the day. Like she only got the ball. Uh, 24 times, which is, well, obviously less than the two halves, but Taufer got more, Charrington got more touches. It, it's not even about the amount of touches. It's the amount of quality touches for her, isn't it, Ham? You'd be happy if she got 24 touches in the game if most of those touches were getting downhill on the edges, attacking the opposition defense, creating you know opportunities and, and indecision. You know, If her ability to tuck the ball and run off that uh, either foot, really, she can step off both feet there, or you know getting to Penetani or Rakia Horn in the centers. So... Yeah, it's about getting her quality looks, and and initially, you know, we were sort of being critical of the team, but I think it's a it's a joint venture thing here. I think uh, the team needs to get her in positions more often, but she also needs to, and this is part of that transitional process from rugby sevens to the thirteen player code. Uh, but you know, put herself in positions to succeed as much as anything else. So she is very very talented. We even saw that in this game. Uh, one of the things that's really stood out to me is how dangerous she is on the kick return. Uh, opposition oh. teams are really struggling to contain her, uh, so that that is a, a big plus. And yeah, know, as soon as there's a broken line, like there was one kick return, I remember I think it was late later on in the game. She made about 30, 35 meters just on the kick return alone. Yep. And you know, outside of that, this was just a really solid team effort. I thought that Philomena Hanisi, she came off the bench in this game, did she? Him? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that this was one of her best games of the season. Seventeen carries, one hundred seventy-three meters, four tackle busts. She really brought the energy through the middle. Uh, Ellie Johnston scored a really nice try, the second try of the game, I believe, after uh, uh, Penetani's in opening one. Yep. So that you know, all the, all the starters, all the core players came to play here. Um, it's exactly what they need to do next week against the Roosters. With uh, but in the same token, they've got to minimise the errors. There was a number of stone cold drops in this game that you know the Roosters will take much more advantage of than the Broncos this year. But the other thing I want to shout out, and this this goes on both sides for both the Broncos and the Eels. I really, really love the passion that they, both these teams had at the end of the game for differing reasons. When Kennedy Charrington scored that final try that sealed the game for the, the two converted try lead, they knew that they'd held up there in the bargain with the Roosters to play the following game after. They got up and you could see the tears of joy in their eyes. And you contrast that in the post-game press conference with Ali Brigginshaw, who was hurting so bad that it actually caused tears and rise for the Broncos to miss the finals for the first time ever in the NLW. And... That's what this game's all about. Uh, I loved it from both players, uh, from both teams, both players, or all the players involved there. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not a job for these girls. It's 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 because they love it. Mm-hmm. That's that's why they're playing. They're not playing it for for money. They're playing it because they just they really enjoy the and game. We're getting to a point where we can hope that they can play it, you know, as a, a primary career option. But we're not yeah. quite there yet. We're getting there, but the, the next you know collective player agreement. Hopefully, you know, pushes or mandates that these women get a chance to earn what is close to the average wage at the very minimum when it comes to a full time job, so they can, you know, focus on football as a career. I tell you what, you'll see the quality absolutely skyrocket once that happens. You know, we're starting to see it. More players come through the Tasha Gale system, come through the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. Um, once they go professional, like this, this competition will be going gangbusters. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, it. We, we spoke about it before. When you play a single round robin format with just the six teams in it, at some point it's going to spit out a bizarre result. And thankfully for us, the Eels are the benefactors of that you know singularly unique result there, getting into the finals with the one win coming in the final week of regulation football. But yeah, they they knew what the equation was. They'd been so close a number of times this season. At some points, you know, with uh, unfortunately outside of or, or third-party factors like the bunker against Newcastle impacting them, but they got the job done when it counted. And now, yes, they're going up against the runaway premiership favourites, 
But even when they were a bit out of touch in round one, they, they kept it close to the Roosters for a fair bit. So I'm looking forward to what they can do up in uh, Brisbane next week. And they'll have it all to play up there. Um, thanks for standing by there, Forty. I uh, had to take care no, of that singular matter. We, we, we stalled out pretty well. We got you back in time. You did. But uh, talking about not stalling, uh, Eagles 40, Raiders 4. Try scorers Will Penasini, Tom Opacic, Wonga Blake, Junior Polo, Mitch Moses, and Marana Nia Corey with a double. Mitch Moses, 5 from 7 conversions, 1 from 1 penalty goals. Uh, and what can you say? Out of domination. Let's have a look at the team stats. We had sixty, almost 60% of possession. We had an extra nine minutes time in possession. Completed at 77%. It seemed a lot higher, especially early in the game. We outran uh, Raiders for an extra 700 metres, extra 200 post-contact metres, eight line breaks to five, 47 tackle breaks to 25. Uh, 3.88 play the ball speed, which was slower than the Raiders, 3.36 like always. And forcing three dropouts. Um... Our kick diffuser was pretty good, 75%. Effective tackle rate at about 87% to the Raiders, 81%. Uh, having missed 25 tackles to the Raiders, 47. Raiders getting two intercepts. I don't recall those. Um, there was one off the kickoff set where we were throwing the offloads around. And around half Yeah, that, that was one of the intercepts. And the other one... And then the other one was um, Moses made a break past the Papali. Oh, the Papali, yeah, near the try line. The last yep. pass back inside. Yep, there are two intercepts there. And then uh, errors, Raiders 13 to our 10. We conceded three penalties to the Raiders 6. One ruck infringement for us to the Raiders 2. Uh, Raiders with one player on report. Apparently we used 10, 10 interchanges, so that must include the two HIAs uh, to the Raiders 7. They also had the two HIAs, but both of their players didn't come back. Is that right? Uh, no, uh, one of them came back. I think. Whitehead definitely came back. Yeah, Whitehead came back, uh, but the other one, the second one, failed. Harawir and Naira. Harawir and Naira, yeah, because he got, he got messed up real bad. That was a bad one. Hamish? Sorry, I had myself muted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll repeat what I just said, uh, which is what can you say after 25 minutes, we were utterly dominating this competition, uh, this contest. Uh, we'll get into it in the news, but the post-match uh, comments from BA uh, about uh, you know putting the barricades up, circling the wagons, us against the world. Uh, it seems like the team bought in this week and they brought their A game. And the the biggest factor for the Raiders have been their forward pack uh, in the back end of the season. And we completely nullified that utter, utter domination through the middles. Yeah, I'll I mean, tell you what, even though we were, sorry, sorry, that's 40, you go. You go. even though we were at 22 nil up after 25 minutes, I was still very, very nervous. <laughs> I think we I mean, all were. My dad was uh, sending me messages saying it's all over and take that, Ricky. And I'm like, shut up, please. Nah. No, nah, I've, I've had friends and family say, oh, onto the grand final, I've gone, I love you, but I cannot agree S- with you. STFU, please. <laughs> yeah, because as a Parramatta fan, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't you? You're waiting yep. for, you know, you think back to, was it the 98 final against the Dogs? You're waiting for that comeback. You're waiting for the heart to be broken again. Uh, but, you know, our boys just, they got the job done. They, they, they were so relaxed, but so focused at the same time. Like they found that perfect harmonious blend there of being locked in without, you know, overstressing or overthinking things. And they came to play. And the pregame talk was, you know, the Canberra had the momentum. Canberra were the team coming in red hot. Parramatta, we dropped the first game in the finals. We're there to be beaten. Their forward pack is, you know, in better touch than ours. Their back line's in better touch than ours. You know, they've got the halves that are firing. Uh, Fogarty's turned their season around. The entire narrative was with Canberra. It was going to be, yeah, Parramatta, they're going out in week two of the finals again. And, uh, whether whether the outside noise prior to the Hadley stuff uh, was an issue or not, and maybe the Hadley stuff was a turning point, it wasn't. But regardless, they just blotted it all out and just focused on playing Parramatta football. And Tapane and Papali'i, the the lesser Papali'i, were just invisible in this game. It was actually incredible. Absolute non-factors. I do. I uh, at the end of the game, I was going, ah, oh, I don't. I do not remember seeing them. And I, I was listening to. Someone else the other day, and they said, "Oh, um, Tarpany ran for a hundred meters." I thought, "Well, bloody Junior and, ba- and Junior Barlow were playing." Uh, Regan Campbell Gillard, sorry, nearly ran for two hundred meters each. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah, and this- they, they were they were in absolutely invisible, and it was the way we played. Like I, 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 I've I've been diminishing Reed, <laughs> but his long passing clicked this week. Because it, 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 once again, he played very well against Penrith too. It shows you how much better this team is when their dummy half, does, you know, it doesn't have to like they, they can't do individual things. 
uh, you know, Reed still had some nice touches in this game as much as he did against Penrith with the tri-assist Oregon Kafusi back then. But when the dummy half is getting the ball out on time, on schedule, to Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, good things happen. And we, we saw that to maximum effect in this game. Uh, I do want to shout out Quentin Gufferson, who made an important try-saver early in this game where maybe the Raiders could have made something if uh, if it wasn't uh, Rappiner at that point that uh, tried nearly got, nearly got the ball down, but Guffo managed to save the day. Uh, but aside from that, this team just played fantastic 1-17 for the most part. Yeah, you talk about that Gutho stop. That goes, if that if they score there, goes to 6-4 or even 6-all. Oh, that completely changes. And I think we scored off the back of that, didn't we? I think we might have, yeah. I think that might have been close to a 12-point turnaround. I think that's the Tom Opicic try. Yeah. So a huge, right. absolutely huge play there from Gutho. Other than that and their other try, I only think that they had one more opportunity of scoring, which was late in the game. Um, Jack White knocked the ball on from a kick inside from Chotrich. So to have, from from my memory, three try-scoring opportunities, they're only able to take one. Uh, that's huge from us. It's absolutely huge, especially coming from a team that did have, you know, as the as the media said, a, a lot of momentum. They would have been absolutely pumped up coming off that um, Melbourne Storm win. And also, you know, as, the, as they pointed out, Ricky's never lost... Yeah, every time he's made the uh, finals, week he's three gone, the finals. gone through to so the main final qualifier. Yeah, so, you know, outside of his Roosters uh, wins, I think he's down to 50% win rate in the in the finals. But still, that's very, very good hit rate. So, you know, I, we beat him and we I mean, killed him. You can't mention we Viking Rick, clapped him. You can't mention Ricky without talking about the crowd. Uh, full shout out. to, And I know there were a few thousand Raiders fans in attendance too, but to the 29,137 or thereabout fans out there who absolutely booed the shit out of Ricky every time he was on camera in the stadium, I salute you. That was uh, – Combank was absolutely rocking in this game and you can see why home ground advantage is an advantage. The The Eels fans there were just electric. And uh, the the Viking clap, uh, I'm all about that shithousery. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good, it's good that the Raiders do it. It is good that opposition fans do it. That is the sort of stuff that makes attending games so fun on both sides. So, I just thought we did it maybe one or two too many times. The once and twice is funny. No, I was still all for it. <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I would have preferred uh, more booing of Ricky Stewart and Corey Horsburgh. So disappointing on that end. <laughs> um, and what, what was with the uh, Raiders kicking game? There was there was a couple of swirlies that White managed to put up. One which uh, I think Gutho let bounce, Gutho let but bounce, then recovered. Yeah. But that, not once did they put anything to Wonga. What it, was going on there? It is crazy that you would like fair enough telegraphing it in the media that you're going to go after Wonga Blake after what happened against the Penrith Panthers, but to put it in the press in black and white and then fail to send a single kick. I believe I, I don't think they they went at him except for a chip kick or two. In terms of actual attacking bombs, they didn't go at him at all, and you know gave him the easiest redemption game of all time. So thank you, Ricky. Thank you, White, and thank you, Fogarty. Uh, Bertie, we haven't heard from you. Jump in. Um, no, like, you know, he's all said it. Um, we'll smothering them, you know, on them like a cheap suit. Like, and that, that probably plays into why Wonga didn't have any many uh kicks because they had to go into good uh attacking, you know, attacking kick positions, you know, like they're all kicking on their 40 and they're just trying to survive. So, you know, we just smothered them the whole game. You know, you guys mentioned it, you know, uh, Tapani's like the best player or best prop in the world, allegedly. You know, uh, he's going to do well for New Zealand at the World Cup, but. You know, he's non-existent, you know, he's uh, MIA. Um, look, the only time they looked dangerous was besides that break, was when they were kicking it on last or like, or sort of not kicking on last, or when they were running it on last, sorry. Other than that, um, never, I wasn't nervous, I wasn't, um, you know, uh, during the game. I just thought we were just dominating them with our run game. We uh, fed the ball to uh, Sean Lane and Papali uh, early, as opposed to the previous week against um, Panthers, but they hardly had the ball. So, yeah, it was good, and... um. It just seems what could go wrong for uh, what could go wrong for Raiders happen. You know, uh, Savage got clean bowled. Um, you know, for a pretty good try uh, from Upper Church. Uh, yeah, it just seems like um, we're very the, clean, very disciplined. And anti-parent you know, finals game in that regard, wasn't it? What, oh, what went right 100%. went wrong right for us, and what went wrong, or what could go wrong, went wrong for the Raiders. Yeah, and like you look at um, Moses, like he just what a difference. Like he was just. I think it's his try. I just thought to myself, only he can score a try like that, like um, with him and Junior. Like, it, like you look at any other forward, who can do a wraparound? Like, Junior's done it, like, I think, three or four times this year and the, they've resulted in tries. The so. coolest part about that try is that we've used it in the red zone a couple of times this year. That was the first mm-hmm. time we'd use that look from the midfield. And it probably dovetails really nicely into just the overall thought that this game featured some great strategizing, some great coaching. I know that Chad Townsend was on the uh, Triple M Saturday NRL panel 
and he mentioned that our first try to Will Penasini was a completely new look. Uh, we don't usually play that way to the centre. We'll go to the back rower out the back of the fullback. Uh, but instead, the fullback was a little bit flatter and played uh, played the Penasini on the short ball there. And the, obviously, the Raiders weren't prepared for it. So starting to introduce some new wrinkles and some new foils uh, into the, the business end of the season, which is a good sign of good coaching. Uh, but this, this game's got a lot of threads you can pull apart. Mitchell Moses was masterful at the, uh, in the halfback role, even with that 15-minute stint getting a HIA. Dylan Brown, 321 run metres. Like, that, that is actually insane. We're used to those sort of numbers from the game's most elite and fittest fullbacks. This guy's a 5'8". <laughs> so, absolutely ridiculous there. The, all the starting forwards, all the core forwards into triple figures, including 221 metres from Laney, 232 metres from Ice. Uh, the two props, uh, Ham, you shouted out before, 190 from Reg, 164 from Junior Barlow. This, uh, yeah, just a, an incredible team effort. You know, out in the backs, we're seeing Will Penasini getting back to his best. Uh, you know, Mike Acevo, again, he's rock solid under the high ball. The, there are so many players that, you know, if you're giving your free two ones out, it, it was almost a nightmare in this game because there were plenty of guys up there for the free, just as were plenty of guys down there for the one. So it was a, a game where the team just came to play. Well, I thought Dylan Brown got the three two one, so... That's right, he did. He too. did, he, he did. Good three, joke, good stuff, good year. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yep. Um, I just want to say, with Dill, like, this is where, like, I'm, I'm a stat guy, I love looking at stats and everything, but this is where stats don't tell the whole story, because on NRL.com here, you got Dill Brown, one line break assist, one try assist. So you look at that and you go, oh, great running game, but, you know, passing-wise, play, what play do you Playmaking-wise, the involvements aren't there, which is a complete fabrication, because... If you're talking try involvements, not direct try assists, I think he had a hand in pretty much everything. Well, yeah, you look at uh, Penasini's try. He's uh, he's one of the passes to Mitchell Moses gets on the outside of his players. He puts in the grab for Tom Opacic, which I think he would have got the uh, that that was the thing he was credited for. Yeah, that was try assist for um, Wanga Blake. I think he passed again to Moses. Not a hundred percent sure. Junior Barlow, he didn't have a hand in because that was all Madison. That was incredible halfback work from a former 5'8". Mm-hmm. Um, Mitchell Moses tried. I don't think he did. The first Maratta near Corey try, he was one to put him into the gap. So I don't know how it's not a try assist. Oh, was it Guffo that put him into the gap for that one? Maybe it was Guffo. Yeah, because I thought it was him too. And I'm pretty certain it was Guffo. But yeah. That, and that's... then the final try, like, sorry. Yeah, sorry that's all right. The, the cutout pass. bullet pass <laughs> yeah. to Mike Acevo. Holy shit. Yeah. That was just put it on his chest, what, spiral pass, cut out pass. What, what 20 metres, 20, 25 metres? 20, 25 metres flat, yeah. Uh, what an arsy way to send the Raiders packing. That, that try was uh, it was beautiful. Mitchell Moses deflected chip kick into a wild sort of Cartwright-esque blind flick pass that Wanga bats back and runs 30 metres backwards before linking up with uh, the left side where Dill ends up creating a space for Wanga and uh, Murata. Uh, but... Yeah, you, you touched on it beautifully, Ham. Uh, it's probably an extension of what we mentioned before, those new looks, those new wrinkles added. Because if you if you ignore the jerseys in this game, you'd think that Dylan Brown probably was the halfback. He was the first receiver for a lot of our, uh, our back line or extended passing plays, playing oh, to Mitchell Moses. 73 touches of the ball, he was playing halfback. And, and it, it was almost the way that they haven't done it so much this year, but it was similar to the way the Roosters used Luke Keery in his prime you get Mitchell Moses a little bit wider, allow him to use his acceleration to get downhill against the edge defense and create some, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, not miscommunication, but indecision. In the, the And I think that's what led to the Will Penasini opening try in a way, was once Mitchell Moses is getting downhill, the, the defense has to ask themselves very quickly, do we commit to him? Is he going to pass? Is he going to grab a kick? Because we saw that too, putting in the shallow kicks there. So yeah, really cool attacking looks here. Uh, and it shows us that, you know, the, the theory that we'd sort of put out there that the Eels were playing for the back end of the season this year, they'd taken a different approach. Well, we saw the manifestation of that this game. They clearly had some tricks up their sleeve, clearly left a lot of petrol in the, in the tank this year, whereas in opposing, in, a, in past seasons, we sort of run out of gas. All right. Any final words? Uh, well, um, I, I, I don't want to insinuate anything, but it sure felt like the referees were trying to keep it close at some points. Oh, that forward pass from to Dill Brown and Gutherson. I was in line with that pass. That was not forward. That was not forward. Dill, Dill ends up in front of the ball when Gutho catches it. It can't be forward. It's simple physics. It was, simple physics, yeah? It was. It, re- it really is. It's it's the law of thermod- thermodynamics. <laughs> it couldn't have, been, couldn't have been forward. Could not. All right. Uh, so let's uh, – news. There's not really too much news other than uh, 
BA having a shot at some of uh, the NRL media, and deservedly so after that Ricky puff piece bullshit for the last week. Um, you know, it's it's just disgraceful. We don't have a NRL media anymore. We just have people doing puff pieces. And when you get uh, on 360 and the only body, uh, only person um, uh, spouting anything that isn't complete rubbish is uh, is old mate. Uh, Rob Field. No, no, no. Um, Riccio? No, not Riccio. The, not not, he's on 360. Not Hooper. Hooper doesn't get Hooper talks. Carianas. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry. You were right first. And I can. Rothfield. No, Rothfield. Had it right first. <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard you say something else. Yeah. The, uh, oh, okay. the NRL media, I feel like the actual human manifestation of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Because that, that is what it has just increasingly been in across the last couple of seasons. Uh, but yes, so full credit to the Eels for adopting that siege mentality that you mentioned, Hamish, and, and using that as fire, a fuel for the fire. Uh, because it's pretty clear this playing group is tightly knit, and you know there's been whether even even tonight on three sixty, you know they barely talked about the Parramatta game, and and Brave drops the line. So was Jacob Alpha picked, and the rest of the panel just looked at him and said, "Yeah." And so what? So there is clearly agendas at play when it comes to Parramatta, uh, for good and very much for the worse. And in past years, it has been a derailing factor for us, but this year, I think whether it's a I wouldn't say finality, like a sense of finality, but the fact that there are departing players, and that doesn't mean that our premiership window is shutting, but the fact there is departing core players, I think the boys are, are very serious about giving it everything. I, I just, you know, I want to go back to on that thing about Jake. I just, Someone should just remind an Astor. Mate, I reckon Braith is probably listening in. Braith, just everyone else turned down. Braith, turn it up. Um, Jake's playing week three for finals. Your star recruit, uh, Cam- Cameron Munster, I believe his name is, I got knocked out week one. So, you know, who's better? Probably about three lines deep. But yeah, you know, allegedly three lines deep. But you never know. <laughs> um, and yeah. mentioned there wasn't too much news, Hamish, which I think is right. But we have been linked by both the Daily Telegraph and Fox Sports to Jack Murchie, uh, who was uh, part of the outgoing Warriors, Warriors. Yeah. Uh, squad. So um, I don't know what that means for Ice because he still is dodging the question about whether he's committed to the Tigers or not. Um but at the very least, we shore up the edge back row position. And Murchie's interesting because uh, physically, good prospect, a bit like Ice, but obviously not a power a power unit like Ice was as a power lifter, but more a prototypical modern back rower. His running meters weren't incredible for the Warriors this year. He was averaging a tick under 70 meters. But what caught my eye is that even in a relatively porous New Zealand defensive outfit, I think his uh, effective tackle rate was over 93% this year. So there's some good raw materials to work with there if he does end up signing with the blue and gold and gives us some depth at a needed position. Yeah, it's interesting. We got I think we got like five, six players leaving, like um, in our first grade squad and only uh confirmed three incoming, so you know, expect it to ramp up um, in the postseason. But uh yeah, I'm not holding the I'm not expecting any big name signings like like a Jack like a Liam Martin in a couple of years or, you know, one of those big name signings. So yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, well with that said, uh Oh, sorry. One other thing I did want to touch in on um uh you know, the fans uh, have been uh Smashing the the Eels players for not hanging around long enough, but uh, there was a there was a big uh, couple of laps, especially from some of our departing players. Reed Marnie, uh, in particular, revving up the crowd after that the was win. Good, yeah. yeah, knowing that it was his uh, last home game at Eels Stadium before we'll be booing him and uh, getting our uh, Chinese. <laughs> I mean, I'm already starting to boo him already. already Chinese takeaway him. donations uh, for when he has his first home game back at Paris Stadium. Ayla, the old uh, Jamie Lyon coin donation. So. Um, but no, for, for his last time, it was nice. It was it was a nice little departure there. What what a stadium! Like we we are so fortunate to have that stadium and be in it for our home ground. Like imagine having to play at Shark Park, the eleven thousand people, and you got scaffolding behind you, or Penrith <laughs> Park, and you get bloody I don't know whatever. You get that many diseases. COVID's not going to affect you at Penrith Park. So you know what what a stadium! Like what an atmosphere! Everyone turned up. You know. Hats off to the Raiders fans. They all turned up. They got they got there in numbers. They were all out on Church Street before the game. Um, created a really good atmosphere. Um, they some even Raiders fans joined in on the Viking clap. Um, I didn't notice there wasn't too much argy bargy between the two groups of uh, radio silence. Am you there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. You cut out for about fifteen seconds there oh, after argy bargy. <laughs> oh, I said something. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said, screw Ricky and, you know, fuck off to Canberra or some shit, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I was congratulating Canberra fans, but that'll do. No, nah, they took it in good stride, a couple of them joining in on the Viking clap, so, uh, no. Nah. 
they can give it and they can take it. So, um, yeah, no, I thought it was quite good uh, atmosphere out there. And there, there especially was a lot of Raiders fans, especially down that uh, must have been their ticketed uh, membership down at the, I want to say, Southern End. The end, the furthest away from the Leeds Club, right? Yeah, yeah. Southern. Yeah. Definitely Southern. Yeah. The old swimming pool end, so yeah. Yeah. That's the one. All right, well, let's jump into previews for the upcoming round of action. So, Roosters in the NRLW, sorry. Uh, Roosters in first, taking on the Eels at fourth. It's uh, 40 touched on at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane on Channel 9 and Foxtel 3.50pm on Sunday, the 25th of September. Uh, so, a whole stack of ins for the Roosters getting back to pretty much their full strength side uh, after resting a couple of players last week. And then for the Eels, um, everyone's named. I thought there was some... Uh, some injury concerns, but yeah, what's well, going on here? The report on game day on Sunday was, at the end of the game, there was concern about a, a potential quadriceps tear for co-captain Tiana Penatani. Now, I don't know if, because it's a relatively short turnaround for the NLW between Sunday, the team was Tuesday, they've just gone with the team as it ran out against the Roosters, because that is the team 1-17, to outside of the uh, pre-kickoff swap between Brooke Anderson and Selly Malangi, uh, and they've just, you know, done the old copy-paste job as part of the pre-game uh, mind games for the Roosters. But, yeah, as it stands, she's being cleared, I suppose, the team was Tuesday, but I don't know if she's really being cleared. we have to wait and see. So if she's out, I suppose we look at the team list and we'd probably turn to Abby Church maybe uh, and whether, yeah, she starts, some. whether she starts in the centres or uh, they do like a, a reshuffle with the wingers and whatnot if they trust, you know, Zali Faye or Toi Hiku to play centre more than Abby and put her on the wing. I don't know. But that, or that Tess Staines has played. Tess Staines too, yep. Some wing as well, yeah. Yeah, so one of those two would be the fact that obviously you're hoping that uh, your you know, co-captain is good to go because she's been very good this year with the ball in hand and just leadership-wise, I don't think, uh, not the fans will, but I don't think people should sleep on the importance that both her and Taufa have as captains. All right, so any anybody else want to touch? Obviously, we're up against it, against the... Uh, reigning premiers and the number one team in the competition. They haven't dropped a game this year in the Roosters. Um, but, you know, when we played them earlier, I, we didn't disgrace ourselves, although it blew out at the back end of the game. Yeah, we didn't play our and, best um, football and we still pushed them at times. So I take that as a big positive. But uh, they're certainly up against it to turn around um, the result from earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, that back line's lethal. Sam Bradman has come back from a bit of time off and been outstanding. Sergis and Kelly, premier centres pairing in the competition. Uh, Tamara and McGregor are both good halves there. Uh, but I think what, what really set us back in this game, or the round one game, was the forwards. Uh, Togatuki and Hilma Wainer are a very powerful 8 and 10 combination in the front row. And then the back row, uh, uh, I think it was Keely Joseph that did a lot of the damage against us. But they're just a, a very good team, 1 to 13. Their bench gives them a bit of juice as well. So if we play like we did against the Broncos and cut down on the errors, I'm, I'm confident we can have a real shot at this. And I, I don't know if it was you or Ham that mentioned... Uh, in the 2021 season that was played earlier this year. The Roosters, they weren't 100% similar to Parramatta, but they didn't exactly enter the last season's finals on a tear. They sort of uh, limped in there in the last round and then made a, a run into the grand final and then uh, took the, the first non-Broncos premiership from there. So all it is for these ladies now is two games, much like the boys in the NRL. Just uh, you know, outside of any extra time, for them it's 140 minutes of their best football and they'll be lifting the shield and it starts on Sunday. Right, and with that said, let's jump into the men's preview. So Friday night, we get to play the 23rd of September, finals week three, Cowboys in third, Eels in fourth. And that'll be taking place up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville, or the Toilet Bowl, um, as I like to refer to it as. Sort of does look like a dunny, doesn't it, that, that stadium? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the old style dunnies where you've got like the the uh, middle of the seat doesn't connect up. Um but anyway, uh, for the Cowboys at fullback, Scott Drinkwater on the wings, Kyle Felt, Valentine Holmes. Whoops, I accidentally just pressed on Tom Ovacic. Don't need to get in-depth look at him. Uh, in the centres, Val Holmes Speak and Peter Hiku. And Murray Tuolagi on the other wing. Did I say Kyle Felt on the other wing? You did, yeah. Then, that was, then you clicked on Tom after that. Who is he? Tom Dearden, Chad Townsend in the halves. In the forwards, Jordan McLean, Ruben Cotter, and Reese Robson at hooker. Second row is Tom Gilbert, Jeremiah Nanai, and Jason Tamalolo. Their interchange bench is Hamasai Tabuai Fido, Luciano Lalua, Cohen Hess, and Griffin Nime. Is that how I pronounce I think that? It, I think it's Nime, yeah. 
Uh, on the extended bench, Tanua Brown, Tom Chester, Jake Granville, Brendan Elliott, and Ben Hampton. Then for the Eagles at fullback, Clint Gutherson. On the wings, Maker Sevo and Wanga Blake. In the centres, Will Penasini, Tom Opacich. In the halves, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses. In the forwards, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo. Reed Marnie at hooker. Sean Lane as Papali'i starting in the second row with Ryan Madison at lock. And then the interchange, Bryce Cartwright, Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi, Mirana Niakore. Extended bench, Makahesi Makatoa, Bailey Simonson, Nathan Brown, Ofahiki Ogden and Kai Rodwell. Um, so we're all expecting Murata Niakore to start at lock with Ryan Madison to come off the bench. Uh, but the major change there is Bryce Cartwright named on the bench in place of Makahesi Makatoa. Uh, do, do you think that leaves our bench a little light on? Or given... I, th- I think Luciano obviously is a second rower for the Cowboys. And I assume that Hess... Well, Hess is the Hess a middle is forward these days. And Nime looks like a middle forward. But they don't use much of Nime too. Their, their bench has ostensibly two plays that they use a lot on it in Leilua and Hess. Hammer usually comes on for a token minutes unless there's an injury. And Neem, at least against Cronulla, uh, played, I think, four minutes in a 93-minute game or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, I don't think our bench is too light for this game, given what the Cowboys are going to throw at us. And I think the two factors here are, well, there's three factors. Uh, Bryce Cartwright gives us a lot of utility. Uh, and between he and Jake, now we can essentially cover any crisis when it comes to an individual or two positions. Uh, two, uh, Makatoa, in a team that played really well, Maka had a pretty bad drop and has probably hadn't had as much impact as the team would have hoped in the last couple of games. And number three, as a contrast to that, Oregon Kafusi's been really good. Uh, he's been really solid for a number of weeks now. They had him up just under 40 minutes against the Raiders on the weekend, so they're tasking him with more and more minutes, which means that timeshare of minutes in the middle starts going down, right? And uh, Bryce Cartwright is a guy that can play at lock when required. And we can even use Ryan Madison as a pseudo prop too in rotation there. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the decision. Uh, Bertie and Ham, do you have any different views on that? Oh, it's a small bench. You know, you look on the, on the opposition for the Cowboys, Leilua, Hess and Neem, they're all like, you know, 190 centimeters plus over hundred, 110 kilos. Like it's a bit of a risk um, carrying both Bryce and Arthur, uh, Bryce and Arthur. But look, I, I, I feel as though if Morata stays on the bench of Kafusi, it would be sweet. They can come on and bring some, you know, bring some punch. But if we all just start with Morata like we have the last three, four weeks, and then have like it doesn't, it's not as much punch having Madison and Kafusi because Mato, you know, he's a big guy, you know, body like you know, like a Greek god, but he doesn't have like that impact or like that physicality. He's more like finesse and like offloads and tricky. But yeah, if we keep Morata on the bench and start with Mato, I think we we should be sweet. Um, I'm the opposite to Birdie there. Oh, fight me, mate. <laughs> no, I, I just think having Murata start, Murata the starter, like he establishes that north-south game that we that we thrive off. Like having Mato on there, yeah, he's a good ball player and, you know, as Bertie said, the punch off the bench with Murata, but I think we need that punch to start. I think we need three middle, three prop forwards, smashing it up, running the inside shoulder, Jason Taumalala, get him making... A tackle a minute if we can, if we hold the ball, um, run at his shoulders. He'll open up soon, get him off the field, get their bench on. And because I think that, you know, Maddo might not have the, the, the immediate punch, but once we've put him on after that 20 minute period, he's on for the rest of the game. Like he's basically, he's basically playing, he's st- playing starting minutes. So. But if, Mar- if uh, Maddo starts, then we can at least give him a break. Like say you know thirty minutes mark. Well, like I don't think he can play. Like so let's just say he comes on in the twentieth minute mark. I don't think he can play the whole game because he'll be bugging in the second half. I feel as though he needs a break in the second half, just for like five ten minutes maybe. Right. Other strengths and weaknesses. Uh, looking at the Cowboys, really, I guess their best game. They've they've got some great form out of their outside backs, especially Holmes. Um, and Scott Drinkwater has come up to the plate this uh, year. The Harvest pairing's been on fire with Dearden getting a call-up to Origin, and Chad uh, obviously doing a bit better than he was at the Sharks. Um, but for me, it's really their second rowers uh, that have stood up for them, and uh, their, well, I guess their forward pack really all in all, uh, with Cotter, Nanai, and Jason Taumalolo really finding some form this year. Yeah, the forward, forward pack's been really healthy, really fit, really mobile. I think they're the hallmarks of – the three hallmarks of their pack there. Uh, they've out infused a lot of teams on the back of being fitter. Uh, guys like Cotter just keep tearing in, keep plugging away. And Tamalolo, well, he's always been a high work rate guy. 
So the question that Ham posed before about, you know, challenging him defensively will be critical. Um, I think the, the two players outside of that, you've got to really key into uh, Drinkwater and Dearden. You've got to respect Dearden's ability to hold the ball and run. And uh, the real playmaker in the team is Drinkwater from fullback. He does a lot of their important ball playing. So watching those two guys there. I think for the Cowboys, though, they're very fit. They're obviously playing in, in advantageous conditions in regards to being in Townsville. But there's also an element of this game where they come into the finals with one of the league's best records when it comes to defense. Um, I think they were second best, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head as of round 25, 272 points, a differential 261 against. Yeah, I believe it's the second best defensive record. But we saw the Sharks put 30 on them in week one of the finals for the Sharks to then get exposed by South Sydney. And there's definitely an element, and it's not going to be a deciding factor, but there is an element of the soft draw that both the Sharks and the Cowboys had coming into the finals. Uh, the the, sh- the Cowboys' record against top eight teams isn't fantastic. I think in the back half of the season, the only wins they got were when they beat up on the depleted Penrith Panthers in round 25 and the depleted Melbourne Storm in round 11. Uh, and prior to that, it was the game we played in Darwin. Uh, they, they met like the likes of the Roosters in South Sydney in, and the Sharks in between there and got handled every time. So there, there is a potential here that the, the Eels can expose a combination of the soft draw and even the Cowboys' inexperience when it comes to postseason football. So I'm looking towards, uh, you know, obviously our key players there, Moses, the front rowers, Dill, Gufferson, and Reed Marnie to try and take control of this game and, and maybe uh, cause a little bit of panic in the ranks of the Cowboys if they can get the early ascendancy. Boys? Yeah, no, uh, like, you know, Ruben Cotter's a tackling machine. Even um, Gilbert, like, he played Origin, I think, uh, 60, 70 minutes straight. So, like, <clears throat> them two will be tackling all the, all game. Um, you know, Ham said, that, you know, we're going to make Tom Lolo try and, you know, make all the tackles, try and make him, you know, gas. But other than that, um, yeah, you, you guys mentioned Drinkwater's the next factor. I think Peter Hiku could be the sneaky the, the sneaky guy that might terrorize us. He's You know, he's a big body tenner. Um I think he's going up against uh, Will Young Will, and Young Will has you know handled them very very well in his debut season, or you know the first earlier games he was versing like the likes of BJ Lelua and all that. Like so, I feel as though he can um, handle that. Other than that, um, just you know we've got a job, one job to do: get in there, get in, get in, and get in. Sorry, get in and get out with the dub. Um, just try and take the crowd out early. But um, I feel as though Dylan Brown can tear them apart. You know. Uh, the dry the conditions will actually the dry conditions and the fast track will actually help us. So I don't know. Like I, I'm not too scared. Like Jack, uh, so Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend don't scare me as much. You know, I was a bit arrogant last time we verse we met them, and I said they're you know bottom bottom eight team. I think they're a good team defensively. They've been good, but as you said, they've had a softer draw, and I feel as though they don't have the they don't have the forwards to match us. I feel like, I feel as though Reg and Junior will just you know pummel them in pretty much. They'll they'll they'll, they'll tap out. And the other factor, I suppose, that we haven't mentioned, the officials. We've managed to dodge Ashley Klein and we've been appointed with uh, Atkins, which, you know, in itself is, oh, no. in itself is oh, not no. Klein, is a celebration. Right. But if you actually look at our numbers under Atkins, it's not great. Um, we win just under 39% of games when he holds the whistle. So, uh, you know, for a son of a blue and gold, great. It's a bit brutal, isn't it, boys? I think that's... Are uh, you cut out again here? But it seems he lets more off. Because they don't, you know, they always talk about referee bias. Well, he wants to, he wants to go the other way. Yeah, and, and try and make it as obvious that he's not favouring the Eels as possible. So, I mean, if we win this game, we're doing it in some pretty adverse conditions. Going up to Townsville, I think they're saying it'll be about 26 degrees uh, and 80% humidity on Friday night. So I know that the boys are training close to the hottest time of the day right now to try and simulate uh, some of those conditions there. Because the humidity in Sydney has actually been relatively high when I've checked the uh, the weather index. So maybe they'll be as well-prepared, or hopefully they'll be as well-prepared as possible. Um, but outside of that, boys, before we uh, head on to our pre- uh, predictions, any uh, last words, last comments, last strategies you want to sort of highlight before we wrap it all up? Um, well, well, uh, Nano, we just got to guard him, you know, set up a wall around him so he doesn't get a clean. Um, try and make it difficulty, difficulty for him to make a run and jump at the ball. You know, they're going to target him for every high, you know, high kick, so... Just make his life as terrible as possible, or just put pressure on um on the Haas. We didn't put any pressure on the Cleary. Look what happened. So just get in, get in their faces and just you know make sure they always tackled the halves. So yeah. Ham, anything to say, or we go to predictions? Um, I was watching the highlights of the Cowboys Sharks game from their first final series from their first finals game. 
Two of their tries come straight up the guts. Tony Ru- Toby Rudolph ran for about 12 metres out, busted through four tackles. Um, Cam McInnes uh, scored a fairly easy one close to the post. So, you know, I think that's... We, just, we, we have the forward pack, as Bertie said, the Basham. I think we just, we've got to go out there, play that north-south game, read Marnie, I want to see zero run metres, I want to see 120 receipts for 120 passes. I don't want Reed running. I want him getting it to the forwards, them running onto the ball, forwards supporting other forwards, and then once we've got that roll on, hit Dill, hit Moses. You know, that's that's where our strike is. That's where we need to play this game. All right, well, let's jump. Thanks for that. Sorry, that's that's poo number two that's just been changed. <laughs> My God. And they're man-sized as well. They're not, they're not boy-sized. Uh, Bertie, predictions. <laughs> Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't have, um, look, I'm confident we're going to win. I feel as though we'll win uh, 26, uh, 40, sorry, 26-12. Um, just like last week, I think we'll lead from the beginning and just you know kick on clear. And I, I can see um, Cowboys going away from their game plan a bit and like uh, throwing it, instead of like going up the middle, pretty much throwing it around. Um, I don't know, but they might even bring in, um, what's his name? The hammer early on to spark their attack, but I feel as though we'll, we'll smother them again. I think Brad Arthur, sneaky, is a good guy. Sneaky is a good coach in terms of um, nullifying the opposition's uh, strength. Uh, other than that, um, oh, thank God. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect the winger we had last time, but there's no Hayes Perham on the bench or yeah. on the wing, so felt's not going to have no an easy time with it. Either, so we're back. Yeah, so good luck trying to do a spec over Sivé. He might just pole drive you to the ground. Um, other than that, so. First try score, I'm going to go well, make a sivo. I think he's going to run over Felt. Yeah, so 26-12 and um, Dylan Brown to have a masterclass again. Him? Yeah. Nah, 40. Uh, hey, okay. Uh, oh. I'll say I'll say the big calls for him there. Yeah, I mean, as with the ladies, right, you, it's just two games. So one one big effort here, put you into the big dance, one big effort there, get you that breakthrough title. I want the boys to go up there and just leave it all on the field. Yeah, 80, 80 minutes, then you get the... Uh, was it nine day turnaround to a Sunday grand final? So you got plenty of chances to heal up as well as you can. Go out there, put it all on the field. Don't leave anything in the tank. Don't leave any questions, you know, there because the Eels have been so consistent under Brad Arthur for a number of years now, going six or seven years back uh, outside of that 2018 aberration. So th- this is the sort of opportunity that you, you create through that sort of consistency. So go out there and get it. I'm going to go for a 34 14 win. First try scorer. <sighs> Uh, Ham put me onto it here, and I think the fact that Reg came out today and had a quote about when these two teams met earlier in the year, talking about how Junior and I had shit games, which didn't help. I think that one of the two big boys might be a first try scorer here. I know we do love to spread the ball and, and get downhill down our left edge in particular, but maybe, just maybe, those vulnerabilities about the ruck might lead to a Junior or a Reg four points to open the game. Ham, we've got a bit of silence from yeah, you again there, Ham. Got the old uh, Discord 30. DC. You want to go, go back from the top hand? We missed out that first part of your prediction. Oh, uh, Murata the starter. I'm going the other big fellow. Hey. He'll, he'll come on to the starting 13, won't be on the bench. He'll add a double under from uh, Mitchell Moses to Murata, hitting on the inside shoulder, running those angles, running that, cutting back in, um, inside shoulder, Jason Tamalolo, and he'll score right next to the posts. Now, now, uh, points. I want to say 29 nil. Oh. <laughs> oh, that'd be a sweet revenge game. I want to say, I don't remember the 2017. 24-18, I think it was, or 20. Yeah, it was something. It was closer than I thought it was because at the game I thought, oh, they've beaten us 50 to nil. It wasn't that. It was, it was actually fair. It was closer than I remember. I want to say 29 nil. I'm not that confident. I don't want to win to nil because we know what happened last time we won to nil in the finals. Um, and we don't want to have that to happen in the grand final. 24 16 um, was 2017. Yeah. Um, so, with me enough rambling on trying to think of a score, I'm going to go <laughs> Parramatta 20, the Cowboys 8. All right. Well, uh, the boys, uh, they covered for me last week and they got my prediction of 40 to nil, correct? Uh, and it was 40 to 4, so pretty, pretty damn close. So, with that in mind, 40 nil again. Uh, Eels over the Cowboys. We've been training in the gym with the heater turned on. Yes, Jack. Okay, I'm coming in in a sec. Give us a prediction, Jack. Jack, who's going to win? Say go, Para. 
Oh, he said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> when he did see the team list on the screen, he, he was keen to go to the football this weekend. But uh, I, I think uh, return flights are something like $1,700 yeah, uh, near Townsville. Yep. <laughs> and they're all um, booked out. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Um, all right, 40 to nil uh, with Sivo first try scorer, uh, as uh, Buddy was touching on. No Hayes Perham on the wing, uh, but Sivo returns and to uh, to uh, put it all over for Kyle Felt, who, who does seem to have sneaky good games against us all the time, bloody Kyle Felt. And we, um, shut, we shut Rappiner down. He's usually an absolute demon against us. So let's do the same with Kyle Felt. Yeah, let's give him the old uh, Jack White and uh, forehead, uh, forearm to the head uh, when he's tackling. <laughs> My goodness, that was Finishing just atrocious. Yes, finishing off the tackle is the, the politically correct term we use, I think, thanks to Vossi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that in mind, uh, is there anything else? We've we've come through. We're at the prelim. Uh, we're at the doors of uh, our grand final berth. Um, you know, we've been here before. The last time we were at ANZ Stadium um, for that Bulldogs match. And then on to the GF. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, it's been a fun ride this year, I have to say, boys. Whatever happens on Friday night, I've really enjoyed it. Just got to sit back and enjoy. That that's my that's, that's my thing for this Friday. Just just try and enjoy it. Yeah, big R E L A X. Relax. Relax. Yeah, I agree. I mean, no one, no one's tipping us like we all tipping us to win, but no one in the media thinks we have a chance. So why not prove the doubters wrong? You know, I said it against in the Panthers game, free throw at the stumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what if they do? I'll be proud of them, you know, for this year. Yeah, they've they've risen above. They've gotten that King Kong size gorilla off their back with that win over the Raiders. It's not playing with house money exactly because you know the stakes are now equal for everyone. But like I said, it's eighty minutes this week and eighty minutes next week. That that's all they've got to do. Just one hundred and sixty of their best minutes, giving it everything they've got, and what we, what we know this team is capable of. You know, being as good as they are, and they you know have a piece of rugby league immortality to their names. That's all that's left for him now. Just go out there and kick ass for two games. All right, boys. Well, on those positive notes, let's wrap it up there. Uh, go the boys, go the girls. And uh, we hope to be uh, reviewing two wins uh, in yes. the grand final qualifiers and previewing some grand final berths next Tuesday night. Until then, go the Eels. Bye.